Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Kalin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. I think we're all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. This Thursday, I'm very pleased to be presenting uh, a, a, a Texan. Uh, we got we got a Texan on the show tonight. Uh, an excellent, excellent dude, excellent musician, uh, Mr. Dave Norwood. Welcome to the show, buddy. Appreciate having you. Excellent, excellent, <laughs> excellent. Yes, indeed. Uh, you could that could have been your uh, that could have been the name of your last release, but you just you missed the boat on that one, I guess. <laughs> no, it's Fallow. Of course, the name of the record is Fallow. Uh, just came out not that not that long ago. Um, yeah, in March. The uh, so I mean I don't know how we're quantifying it now, but uh, a a COVID release, I suppose. Like, isn't everything a COVID release now? I guess, but I guess um, it was recorded pre-COVID. Um, just get that out of the way. But uh, uh, we uh, were kind of holding off. Uh, you know, add a couple more songs, and it becomes a full length. And then uh, our friend John wanted to go ahead and put it out, and so we just rolled with it during COVID times, during the plague, during the quarantines. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been interesting talking to folks having records coming out because there definitely was that sort of like, oh, well, let's just this will be a couple weeks, let's just wait it out, and then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. by a couple weeks, I guess we meant a couple months, and uh, so on and so on. Uh, not telling anybody anything they don't already know, of course. Uh, the so this is I, I'm I'm seven years between farewell full objects and this is is that right is that a because you put out the you put you put out info first right but like it, it's been a minute it's been a minute yeah and is this the first one that isn't uh, Paul Warner on drums this is this is first one Anthony right it is the first one with Anthony on drums yeah Anthony Castaneda uh, great uh, Paul great drummer yeah Paul moved. Bay Area and is in an excellent band called Cover. Right yes, with the mighty Craig Eastman. Uh, yeah. Also of uh, Hurry Up Shotgun, also Greenlight the Bombers, and uh, mm-hmm. everything is just connected. Every, everything is very connected. And it's interesting <laughs> to me because I, I heard of you guys, uh, the Gary that is, first before knowing that it was Paul Warner playing drums in the band. I was like, oh, oh, cool, interesting. Being one of the few people who actually knew Paul Warner from his previous outfits uh long long running band though you guys have been at it for a while and did you have a you know starting starting the gary 
you know, I, I'm not going to say later in life, but not like anybody was like teenagers or anything. Did you have sure. the idea that you wanted to build a band that was sort of built to last from the outset? No, we went into it uh, not really expecting anything. Uh, Paul and I played in a band called Rossi Mission before the Gary, and it was um, it was me and Paul and Paul's ex-wife Steph and uh, our friends Jaron and Laura who were also married. Uh, they were in a band called AM Syndicate and Chris who was also in uh, Wilco Machete, and uh, and we did that for a couple of years and it was great fun and it was pretty much just a party band. And uh, when that ended, me and Paul were kind of like, well, what next, you know? Yeah. Um, and and the Gary happened. Paul had uh, played with Trey so, uh, three or four years before all that, um, when he first moved to Austin. Um, I met Paul on Craigslist. <laughs> Trey and Paul met on Craigslist. Casual encounters. No. And then, uh, <laughs> we... Uh, um, that's how we all, you know, the Craigslist music classified. That's how we all ended up, you know, getting together. And, uh, here in Austin, we were all, we had all moved to Austin around 2004. And, uh, um, no, I, I think we just thought it was going to be like Rossi mission where we're around for a couple of years and, you know, Runs we have course. some fun with, and yeah. then we move on to the next thing, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had no idea it was going to be a longstanding thing. I, it's the first band I ever sang for, and I had no idea that was. I mean, I thought people were gonna hear me sing and run out the room, you know, <laughs> or nothing to do with it. And right. So I was real sheepish about it at first, and I'm like, guys, this is just gonna flop. And they were real good about kind of nurturing me through it, and you know, I had a uh, I had a very difficult time playing bass and singing at the same time. Uh, Always loved writing lyrics, but uh, just never uh, did well with singing. And uh, yeah, Paul and Trey in the beginning of it, you know, they were like, "Go, you know, <laughs> <laughs> go for it!" And I was just, right. "Oh shit!" And uh, yeah, it, it's amazing that it has lasted as long as it has. I I didn't see it going more than a couple of years in the beginning, but it just goes and goes, you know. Well, I and mean, it seems like with every release, there's been. It's something that it feels like you guys have to say, like some new thing that you're digging down into, some uh, aspect or facet of what you've done before, that you're pushing yourselves to, you know, not lose what made the band cool in the first place, but try out some different stuff, try out some different things. Right. And I think anytime yeah. you're in a position where you trust your band members like that, like it's it's it kind of opens up the possibilities that like it's not going to be a, <laughs> you know, a short volume, a short story. You, you, you can actually turn sure. into a book. Yeah, they, uh, they, um, I, I really owe a lot to those guys for just kind of like telling me, keep going, just keep going. We're, we're here, we're in this room, we're still playing, you know, keep singing. And yeah. uh, after about six months of it, it just became second nature, you know. And, and, uh, well, and it's as a, first of all, as a three piece band, and, and also as a band that doesn't, isn't relying on volume, that isn't relying on effects or uh, noise. I mean, there's not a lot of cover, too. Mm -hmm. So uh, for someone that's, you know, when you started out, you know, not being a dude that like had really been singing and playing the whole time, did you have any exercises or any um, disciplines you put yourself through to kind of help yourself? get that limb independence and, and be able to concentrate on the two things and make sure that, uh, it's all, it's all working. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of going to the practice room by myself. Right before the Gary, there was kind of a proto Gary that was me and my buddy Laura Bianco. She was also in Rossi Mission and also an AM Syndicate alumni. Um, she uh, she was also real cool about um, like not wincing whenever I, you know, <laughs> did something like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, being supportive. Yeah. (laughs) Hang on one second. My mom's trying to call me. Okay, (laughs) that's adorable. Uh, I'm sorry, mom. Uh, I will talk to you later. I'm I'm talking Um, about my art now, if you please. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is me time. Me and Conan time. Exactly, exactly. This is don't don't uh, you don't um, you realize you're, you're on a very popular internet radio show podcast? Come on, <laughs> where's the professionalism? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, they were. It was just a lot of. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I, I've got a. I, I come from dreadfully low self esteem, and uh, mm, yeah, and, uh, and and just the the thought of raising my voice was was a, a, a very hard thing for me to wrap my head around you know uh even though it's something i had wanted to do all my life and uh meanwhile i was in my late 30s you know it's like if you're gonna do it you need to do it you know so uh, i just had i had some really great people around me who were helping me with it and uh, encouraging me to do it to the point where i was doing it you know and and where it became normalized you know so i owe a lot to those people well, if it seems like I'm kind of dwelling on those early times, uh, it's only because I think it's a little atypical for musicians uh, to kind of dive in and try something that different like later on. I, th- I think it's kind of more commonplace for someone to sort of stick with what they've, you know, if I, I just play, yeah, I just play bass, I just play drums, I just sing, I just play guitar. So I, I think the whole approach to singing and playing like later on kind of seems like it comes out a different place than if you're like 17 years old, right? Like you're, you're a different kind of person, you got a different kind of life, you got a different kind of expectations of what you're trying to get out of it. And I think that's interesting because I'm a big fan of the, you know, Bukowski didn't start writing books till he was 35 years old, you know? That yeah. Is, I think that's interesting. I've always, you know, you know, yeah, people like that, Robert Pollard or, you know, or Henry Miller or, you know, people who did didn't start, you know, turning shit out until they were, you know, hitting 40 or passing through it, you know, um, those people inspire me. Um, you know, Juana Molina, you know, I mean, people like that who, uh, um, yeah, it makes me feel like my work is just getting started and, and, you know, and, and, and the first half of my life was just, uh, was living and, 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 uh, learning and, and, and this part of my life is the doing part, you know. Right. <laughs> totally. I tried yeah, to, yeah. Why not? You know. Why not? I mean, uh, there, there's no reason that. Uh, I to learn too so, in the process, but. Yeah, I mean, societal propaganda says that music is a young person's game, and certainly it's 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 easier. But I think that there's when there's a choice to be made for the folks that want to do it or the need to do it, mm-hmm. and they find ways to make it work, and they find you know uh, avenues and procedures to make it make it worthwhile for everyone hopefully uh and, yeah. and, and well and one of the reasons also because when i first heard the gary one of the things that immediately struck me is how authoritative your voice sounded like you Ooh. sounded like a dude that oh that's a dude that like knows himself knows what he can do he's not gonna try to do something that like he's 
not willing to do <laughs> and it's awesome because it, it's uh the tentative nature i think especially of the uh of the younger artists where they're maybe still finding out still figuring it out it sounded figured out to me and mm -hmm. i think that that's also compelling because you just don't see a lot of people again starting in at like that section of their life to try new stuff really <laughs> at, mm -hmm. at least creatively unless there's someone that's been doing it the, the entire time so tell me tell me about that first that, that first recording was that because you had, had your other bands recorded before you put out records um yeah i mean not as a singer but yeah. uh you know I, I had done other stuff i've been putting out records since i was you know 20 years old but as a bass player you know or, you know just in bands and stuff and cdrs um, <laughs> get, get some cdrs you know like yeah <laughs> that was always a good tour mainstay oh we got a two-song cdr here we can make two bucks right. on this and maybe get half a gallon of gas <laughs> no, seven inches and stuff I, I you know i i would do short runs of seven inches and a lot of them would just get you know go to my friends or you know yeah. uh I'll, wait one second i'm starting to fall back on you know if I start saying you know over and over again, will you please say something? Absolutely. That's a big reason why yes. I don't do interviews often, because it drives me nuts how many times I say you know. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna recognize it now. Yes. And we're gonna keep Okay. I, I, I'll keep you honest. <laughs> uh, I uh, have wanted to sing for a really long time. Right. I have been reading lyrics since, you know, I, I, I was a teenager and, and it's something I, I wanted a vehicle to convey those lyrics. And so in my head, I know how I'm conveying them. I know how, how I want to, to, to give them. But, uh, I guess I, uh, uh, I guess I practice it in my head so many times to the point when the Gary started that I knew that that I knew it, it just came out right. Yeah. Uh, I had done recordings at home and I just I I have a tendency to hear the song in my head before it gets uh, before it gets passed over to the band and it's it's pretty realized in my head at that point and then the band does a version of it and then we record it and at that point I know how how it's going to happen vocally. So I think uh, as far as the authoritative way uh, you were saying I conveyed lyrics or whatever, my words, uh, I think that's because I've, I've kind of sucked on it for a while. Yeah, you'd constructed the track in your head, but where uh, way before you put the slot car on it, or so to speak. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but as far as, as, far as uh, how, uh, uh, sounding authoritative, I worry about it sounding like, like when my daughter, whenever I would say something to her, she'd say, Dad, stop yelling at me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just saying it. I'm not yelling, you know. <laughs> so Right, yeah. yeah well, <laughs> the audience thinking I'm yelling at them. I'm not yelling. I'm just saying. No, it, 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 and when I say authoritative, I, I just mean that it, it, sounds, it sounds like you have the, the courage of your convictions with what you're, whatever it is you're singing about at that moment in time. And... I I found that usually to be the case with most bands that would have singing that I, that I enjoy for sure. And I, I think it's kind of like almost the key to being a good artist is 
you know, even if you're even if you're sitting there filling your pants up with terror, you know, don't <laughs> don't stop the boat. Keep going. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm sure you know this as a singer too. If, if 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 you can't get behind what you're saying, it's really hard to yeah to say it. And I think that that is something with me. I have to be. I have to know what I'm talking about, and and I have to be able to get behind it 100. Yeah. percent And 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 I think that that has to do with my delivery also. I mean, not that you're modeling yourself after uh, anyone, because I think you have just by nature of the band and by, and by nature of who you are, you have a very unique presentation. But is there anyone that kind of sprung to mind as like, oh, it's cool how that person does that uh, again, since singing to something that maybe only existed internally in your head for a while before actually doing it. Was there anyone that kind of spring to mind that like, Oh, like that, or, you know, or don't do that even like, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. a, maybe don't, <laughs> don't was it a, a, a goofus and gallant? Is was that the highlights thing? Right. <laughs> when, uh, when we were, when we first started, my model was Peter Jeffries. He's got a lower voice. Yeah. That could cut through noise and 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 could do it emotively and and uh, and 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 that's I wanted uh, I wanted to do what Peter Jeffries did and I don't know if you're very familiar with him he's from New Zealand he was in this kind of punishment kind of has a lower voice played piano over it often very noisy piano yeah um, I I was really into him and, and his and his lyrics were often deeply personal and. And uh, and I, I knew that was in the realm of what I wanted to. Do. Also, Rob Wright from No Means No was a big yeah man uh, yeah big one too. So I'd say that those are probably the big two. The big two were uh, Rob Wright and Peter Jeffries. I think you can kind of split that difference, and that that makes you know that tracks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the uh, Trey's guitar playing is is uh, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's very. Uh, you'd think that it would be so, uh, uh, something you could say for everything, but very musical uh, kind of guitar playing. Like he's not a player that hides behind uh, noise, distortion, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, was that something that kind of came together as a uh, conceit with the band or was it that just, that's just how it all came out when you guys played? That, uh, that's how Trey plays guitar. This is how I play bass. That's how Paul and Anthony play drums. It, that's just... Uh, you know, I, I kind of doubled the role of rhythm guitar player and, and bass player yeah. in the band, and real chordy, and that's always been a problem with with uh, some guitar players I've played with in the past. Was my tendency to, to play the bass like a guitar, play real chordy. Again, that's the Rob Wright coming out of me, and and, uh, and 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 the way Trey works with it is he he kind of garnishes it, and you know plays on top of it um, more than plays inside it. You know, he, he, uh, he does, he, he really uh, decorates it, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, it, and the cleaner tone actually helps with that. Cause it sounds, it, it's the, the, the distinction is, is, is very there. Cause you have the, you know, the low end kind of, you know, grinding is the wrong word, but kind of, but kind of, <laughs> I mean, you're hitting these like big resonant frequencies and then you have this kind of real, uh, you know the the melody phrases that that he's doing, or the chords, or whatever. Like it kind of it, it's it happens over it, and, and and you know it would be an overused distinction for a three piece rock band, but almost Minutemen style. You know, just without the, the the 
not that it sounds like the Minutemen, but in the way of the, the, the distinction between the frequencies and the instruments, like it seems very, very notable. Uh, can you tell me a little about, um, about Chubb? Tell me about, tell me about that record and, and how did, how did that come to pass and where we guys were as a band? And I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of go, go through all of them. And then when we get to the new one, we can kind of do a song by song and get a little more in depth on that one. But tell me, tell me about Chubb first. Wow, we're actually talking about music and not politics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, uh, Chubb, uh, we weren't around as a band very long. When first of all, a, a lot, most of the songs on Chubb had existed for a while. Um. I had, uh, yeah, they, I'm trying to think of what songs didn't exist. Oh, Freaks Go Forward is a straight up Trey song. He wrote that, all of that. That's all Trey. Um, everything else, I went through this big creative spurt from around 2000, just after my daughter was born. Um, it was around 2003, 2004. I was living in Alvin, Texas. And, and I wrote about, say 80 to 100 songs and and we we call those we call those songs the well uh whenever the gary needs songs we go well what's what's going on from you know let's let's, let's bring something out from the well that right. when we say the well we mean that era and that era is me living in texas and usually uh thinking a lot about arizona where i used to live and uh well, anyway, that uh, Chubb came from the well. It came from 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 uh, me reflecting in Texas on things I had experienced, I experiences I had in Arizona, and writing songs about it. So I'd say exploration goes all the way back to the mid to late '90s. Um, Damn machines! No, Damn machines was about working at a factory in Alvin and driving to work so so that was an app that was a straight up uh made in texas song uh, uh confusion was a song that i wrote in my head at work that's the one song that i, I probably the only song that was just fully formed in my head nice uh it just came out exactly how i thought it uh We had only been a band for about six months before we recorded it. We kind of jumped right in. Still pretty fresh, yeah. Really fresh. And we didn't know what we sounded like. We just, uh, we booked some time uh, at Hot Track Studio, uh, which used to be in East Austin. And uh, our buddy, Matt Smith, uh, he ran that studio. And I loved the vibe of it. And I was very comfortable there. And I knew if we recorded there, that that was gonna be that was gonna be my first effort recording in a real studio doing vocals nice. and i knew i needed a really comfortable place yeah and i'd recorded there with rossi mission and it was just really comfortable there, really comfortable with matt and so we did it there and after it happened we we're like whoa so that's what we sound like <laughs> we, had no, we had no idea that's what we sounded like and I was pretty familiar with the songs anyway, so it wasn't that big of a deal to me. But uh, I think Trey was just like, "Holy shit, uh, let's uh, 
let's put this out. Yeah. And uh, let's do something with it. Put yeah. it out. And uh, he he got a publicist for it. And I was like, a publicist? <laughs> Why do we need a publicist? Now, granted, and, this is like what, 2008, uh, 2009, somewhere around that neighborhood, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was back when publicists worked. So, yeah. like, when, <laughs> back when, when there was still the possibility <laughs> of a publicist like picking up on an indie band, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know why and, I'm laughing. It's, it's, I'm laughing to stop from crying, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think there's just so much out there now that it's just hard for. for for, for stuff to, to really cut through at this point. But we uh, we got all this amazing reception nationally and internationally. And and I was I was just uh, really taken aback by it. I had never really been in a band that, that had gotten that kind of attention. And locally, we were getting all kinds of attention. We were kind of the flavor of the month in Austin for a little while. And yeah, yeah. Getting offered really good shows and... Um, it was it was a really strange and amazing time, and uh, so that was Chubb. I don't know what else to say about Chubb. Yeah, you mentioned Other, Arizona, I, and I don't want to lose the opportunity that, to talk about that because I just for whatever reason I'm not sure why don't have many people on the show that have any connection whatsoever to Arizona. And I think Arizona is a fascinating state, uh, and I choose my word carefully when I say fascinating. Uh, the, I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot to love, and there's a lot you just kind of. Mm. It's a, it's a definitely a double-edged sword for sure. I lived there for close to 20 years, and uh, my parents moved out there when I was. Excuse me, I'm tending bar. When I was uh, 12, <laughs> and um, they moved back to Texas when I was 19. And I hated Arizona when I first moved out there. Just absolutely hated it. I was from deep East Texas. Yeah. Uh, we lived out in the middle of nowhere, out in the piney woods, uh, in between Longview and Marshall, this little town called Hallsville. And uh, we moved out there and I hated it. And, it, and then uh, just through force and experience and everything else, learned to love it by the end of it, you know? And I, uh, uh, lived out there till I was 30 years old and uh, kind of bouncing around Tucson, Flagstaff and Phoenix and had a wonderful time in Flagstaff in the early nineties, uh, just being a part of the punk scene there. Yeah. Flagstaff was always a good, Flagstaff was a good place to play. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a college town. It's a weird transient town. You got you know, the college kids. You got the kids coming off the res. You got um, the, the people who are from there. You know, from Flagstaff, the townies, and it's just this weird mix of people. And um, and uh, had a wonderful time there. And then moved to Tucson in the mid '90s and had a wonderful time there. Uh, but again. It was a double-edged sword. It was, uh, I say wonderful, it was also a very hard time. And, um, uh, I was trying to pl uh, get in bands and trying to get my ideas across. Yeah. It was always difficult. I was all, if you were really into like Discord and touch and go stuff and you're living in Flagstaff, it's kind of <laughs> hard to connect with people. And, yeah. Because uh, the place... <laughs> About ten years behind the times. 
<laughs> right. And it was still very 1983 there. And, uh, but there's still a lot of cool, innovative stuff going on at the time. Well, and it's, and it's you know, it, there's, it's an interesting area, too. I, mean, I remember you were the first person to tell me about the Eastern Tower uh, at the Grand Canyon. And I thought that was, you know, that, that was like really cool. And that's something that I wouldn't have known about if a former local hadn't mentioned it. Right. And I thought that oh, was yeah. really. <laughs> the Watchtower. I used to work there. Yeah. 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 That's right. Um, you and Lindsay went out there. Yeah. Um, it was a. When was that? Christ. A million years ago. Uh, <laughs> probably like, to, like six, seven years ago, something like along those yeah. lines. Yeah. Remember y'all going out there and. And uh, yeah, that 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 was a great opportunity working out there, especially when I was like 27 years old and just not uh, working there during the winter season, not having a. Uh, it was a very uh, it was a neat time to isolate myself and and I would all uh, during really confusing and awful times in my life. I've, I've got a long uh, history with depression and stuff. And when it would really come down to it, I would often just uh, get a job in one of the national parks and, yeah. and uh, go work there for a season and kind of clean the slate and then go back out in the world and do what I could do. And then eventually end up back in a national park yeah. back in Brighton or Yellowstone or Grand Canyon and, and uh, just hunker down Clear the cobwebs a little, maybe reset a little bit. Yeah. And it worked for me. It really worked for me. I, I recommend it for anyone who, who is, who is kind of in between things and uh, not really knowing what they're going to do next. It's a good place to go and just experience something new, get paid for it. And, uh, certainly helps put things in perspective. That's for darn sure, too. When you look at the scope and scale of some of this stuff, you're like, oh, all right, well, what was I concerned with? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cosmically, not that important, actually. So, okay, all right. I, uh, working in Bryce Canyon, I did this, the first season I did in Bryce Canyon, that was the the first time I had ever, like, was ever really able to, like, step outside of myself and, you know, step outside of uh, of, of all that chaos and, and uh and just enjoy the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you traditionally, uh, when writing music first, then lyrics? Or have you, in the past, written stuff ahead of time and then kind of found stuff to fit it or uh, you know gone the other way? It's usually lyrics first, then music. Um, every, every so often... It's not very often uh, where the Gary will, will jam something and then I'll take some lyrics and then put it on top of the jam and it becomes a song. But usually I'll come in with something that I, that started as lyrics and then became music. And then I usually write it on my acoustic guitar or uh, I've got an old eco bass that belonged to my dad and uh, that I, that was the bass. That's what I, started playing bass on when I was 12 and uh, there's a wonderful familiarity with it. I'll write on that. Uh, but yeah, usually lyrics first, music for a really good song. Lyrics first. Music, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 One, one, one can hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah. So, so, okay. So, and, and I, I 
sorry, I, I didn't want to get too much uh, into locations, but I find the American Southwest to be very fascinating, especially uh, for creative individuals. Yet what, there's very few rock musicians. Oh, God. I should say I'm very informed by it. I'm yeah, very it, creatively. I am very informed by the American Southwest, so. and, and that's why that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about it because I mean I think those experiences kind of shine through uh, in the lyrics and the music and the feel sometimes you know just how things fit together, and it's just it's I, I think it's a unique voice and it's something that uh, you know certainly there are you know what do you got Calexico Giant Sand and 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 it's not like. You guys are the only ones doing that, but <laughs> but there's right. there's certain bands where it just comes through, and 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 like and that's an asset, I think. I think it's it's far better to be unique and interesting in in uh, a certain way rather than oh, that just sounds like you know, it sounds like this. It's not the same band from New York sounds like this band from L.A. It sounds like this band from Chicago. That sounds like you know, <laughs> who's looking for that? Not me. Thank you. Right. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> so then <laughs> so then the next uh, so so then tell me about the uh, over to Logan. It's it's that's about a about a year between those, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Chubb came out in two thousand eight or two. We recorded it in two thousand eight. We recorded Logan in two thousand nine. It came out in two thousand ten. So yeah, I think it came out like New Year's 2010. Uh, we did it in two parts. We did half of it in Matt Smith's uh, Hot Track Studios, the other half in Chico Jones' Home Studios. And uh, like I said, there were trying to, uh, there were a lot of songs on there that came from from Arizona. Um, or thinking about Arizona, or my experiences in Arizona. Yeah, there's a lot of rich imagery in that one. You yeah. Uh, there's Houses, which is uh, strictly about the Texas coastal bend and the rich people who build their their subsidized mansions yeah. out there. And uh, there's that. Uh, Got QSB kicking oh. it off. That's a good. That's a solid tune. Yeah. Oh, QSB. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I wrote that one while sitting in a park in the Quarry Park in Convict Hill. Uh, it's the quarry where they mined the uh, the stones or a lot of the stones for uh, for the Texas Capitol, and it's a park kind of near where I live. Hmm. Uh, wrote that. I, I, I was just thinking about, I had read something somewhere where someone was just uh, painting with a broad brush about something uh, and, uh, and, and, and which is, which is a, a lot of politics in Texas, just broad, broad strokes, yeah. a lot of broad strokes out here. And, uh, and uh, I think that was, it, it had something to do with that. I can't remember the specifics of, uh, of why, which is funny, the song's about specificity, and I can't remember the specifics. <laughs> Generally specific, yeah. yeah. I, th that's a record that, uh, not to break up the flow, but uh, that, that's a record that kind of the uh, the cover for it sort of, to me, matches what the music sounds like inside, the fact that you got, you know, this sort of picturesque well, houses, you got this gigantic, like, looming dust storm just... Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> like an imposing uh, eldritch entity coming to right. overwhelm. That's an old Dust Bowl photo. Paul Paul Warner dug that up. Paul Warner always did our uh, our. Well, he didn't do Chubb. Traded Chubb. He got those uh, those fish on the cover of Chubb. He got it from a bait catalog. Trey's a fisherman, mm-hmm. and I think he uh, he he was adamant. My first record is going to be called Chubb, and we're going to have these three fish on the front. <laughs> like, all right. It's a it's cool. a uh, Chubb's a type of bait fish, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know how I know. How do I know that? I don't know how I know that. <laughs> I don't fish. I don't know anything about fishing, but I happen to know that. So okay. I mean, through osmosis, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Generalized informational osmosis. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, and and you got so you got um, well, you you already mentioned houses. Uh, Eyes in the tap room, Hurricane Radio. Uh, I, Eyes in the tap room. Uh, when I lived in Tucson, there's a bar there at the bottom of Hotel Congress called the Tap Room. I think now it's called Tiger's Tap Room. Oh, okay. uh, Tiger used to be a guy who, uh, uh, this wonderful queer dude who, who used to tend bar in the daytimes there. And and uh, I used to go there like right when it opened at, at, at noon and uh, just hang out with Tiger and hang out with my friend Aaron Logan and just... Uh, all the Pete Martinez drawings around uh, the, uh, there was this guy named Pete Martinez who used to back in the thirties, I think it was back in the twenties or thirties. He used to trade his uh, drawings for beer. <laughs> and, and so they kept them and, and they've got, they've got, I don't know if they still do. I haven't been to the tap room in years. This, I'm not sure if they still have this or not. That's I'm awesome. Sure though. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's like old school barter. That's like some 1500 yeah. stuff. Can I pay you oh, well, with they, a song? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All around, uh, there, there are these amazing Pete Martinez uh, cowboy pictures. That's beautiful. Love it. And, uh, I mean, for all I know, the tap room's a douchey bar now. And, you know, uh, Tucson's going through a lot of the growing pains that Austin's going through, too. So, who knows? <sighs> I haven't been there for years. It's a common Maybe story. Maybe they up all the Pete Martinez drawings for 50 grand each or something who knows yeah maybe the art the art's the same but the drink prices are more expensive i'm sorry i said the art's the same but the drink prices are more expensive probably is the most likely scenario (laughs) (laughs) called the pete martinez yeah exactly that's 10 bucks yeah yeah (laughs) but uh i i uh i had a lot of wonderful and horrific experiences in that bar i made uh, the biggest ass of myself in that bar and uh, uh, and 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 but I cherish the whole thing I I, I I I enjoyed it I enjoyed all those moments in those in that bar and uh, that's what that song is about then the jukebox in the, in, in the Gary song it says jukebox playing uh, Peggy Lee again, uh, or what was it say? Jukebox uh, paying. Uh, it brings up Peggy Lee and Giant Sand. Yeah, and they had both, both those those things on the jukebox and. That's killer. <laughs> uh, oh, jukebox playing Johnny Cash again. Peggy Lee and Giant Sand. Those those things were always playing. It it, it, Giant, it, it... God, I regret not being a huge Giant Sand fan back when I lived there. 
and he was kind of on hiatus at the right. time. Have you interviewed Hal Gelb? No, no, I would love to. I, the, the thought actually never occurred to me until you just said that. I was like, I should have him on the show. <laughs> like, why don't I? Like, we we know like a million of the same people, and I don't know. But really, really cool guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, I uh, Hal Gelb was kind of on hiatus for a big chunk of. Uh, when I was living there, when I first moved there, he was playing all the time. I'd always say giant sand, giant sand. Yeah. And my, Michael Serpy had a giant sand uh, tape that he used to play all the time that I was just kind of like, eh. And I was all into like the Jesus lizard at the time. And, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not, not exactly akin to the same uh, uh, mood. Yeah. It doesn't sound like, oh. And, <laughs> and uh, so a lot of it was lost on me. And then. It was really in, in, in the mid to late 90s I started listening. to. Oh, I saw Giant Sand play in a coffee shop, uh, this place called Cafe Aroma in uh, Tucson. It was right when he started playing again. His buddy Reiner died, mm. and uh, he stopped playing for a while because Reiner used to be in Giant Sand. He was a good friend of his, and it kind yeah. of blew his mind when he died. And, uh, and uh, also the, the uh, two of the guys in the band were busy doing Calexico and Calexico kind of kind of took off on their own for a bit, you know. They were they yeah. were doing all right. That was a cool part about living in Tucson was watching Calexico like find their voice and and I was there for every minute of that. Yeah, that yeah. was amazing. Yeah, and uh, I, I saw right before Chore of Enchantment, uh, I saw him play at a coffee shop, and it's it's one of the top five shows I've ever nice. seen in my life. And I, I went in there not being a huge fan and came out being a fan of all things Hal Gallagher. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So the but tap room. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, well, it's an evocative image, right? Because it's 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 sort of like when you when you think about like you know the jukebox selections or or, or something, you know, like this those mix of things that gives you a lot of idea of the character of what's happening within the song sure. immediately. Uh which I think is great. I mean, that's 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 fantastic. The um, don't you like? Uh, there's like an Ezra Pound reference uh, in. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. been a while. <laughs> uh, on that one, uh, was it? Is it ancient music that's got the? Uh, yeah. it, there, there's some there's some serious uh, literary catnip getting getting thrown out there. Yeah. Um, I, I was living in Yellowstone and just, uh, someone, this dude named Jim that we knew had, uh, I think he was into Ezra Pound. And also I had read an interview with David Grubbs at one point and, and, uh, who, who had, he had said he was into Ezra Pound and I'm like, I'm going to check out this Ezra Pound dude. And that was the first thing I came across that poem. And I instantly memorized it. It nice. just just like jumped into my brain and that was it. I always knew it. And, um, just during a, I think it was during a jam, uh, the Gary, that's one of the jam songs, I think where, where, uh, we were doing a jam and then I just started singing an air some pound thing. Yeah. That works. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's got that, you know, prosaic literate, but dusty charm, you know. <laughs> right. Is... <laughs> well, there's also you know, there's like you can't really go. I mean, Ezra Pound's a pretty controversial guy, and yeah. and so there's do uh, 
do we do a song by this guy who supported Italian fascism during World War II? Or it was kind of a, a weird thing, and and it's the whole. I mean, one of my favorite writers is Newt Hampson, and 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 like the whole separating the the artist from from the artist beliefs thing, and I had to do a lot of mulling that before we did yeah, it. And, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't change the power of the words, but it is something that any responsible artist is going to, it's going to come to mind where you're like, well, hmm. Right. And also, uh, Ezra Pound ripped it off from an old, uh, Scotch Rota, I think. Oh, did he? Um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's from an old, well, like, fuck him then. <laughs> yeah. It, it goes all the way back to like the 1300s. So, so really, I'm doing a cover of that, I guess. Yeah, there you go. There you, you can uh, <laughs> just just like if somebody <laughs> like if somebody's saying that they're they're doing a cover, which has this has happened. And I'm not going to mention who did it. A Black Betty. They're they're not doing a Ram Jam cover. They're doing a Lead Belly cover. Where it's like, <laughs> all right, sure, but we're just gonna walk. We're just gonna whistle past the graveyard about Ram Jam, huh? Okay. But. Right. Whatever it's whatever gets whatever gets you through the night as this other song goes. Uh, okay, yeah. So then, so talk to me about that uh, time period between Logan and El Camino because it it, I, it was about it's a little quicker for there. Of course, El Camino that's the one with with rope. That's got that's one of my favorite tunes by y'all. Um, oh, thank. It's got it's got just visually it's very bright. Like uh, the the art is. Uh, kind of like a bit well certainly a contrast to the last one which is you know very muted dust bowl <laughs> looking stuff was it was there a specific mindset behind having that one be like you know just so uh evo- evocatively bright color wise album art uh do you remember nina from the prf forum yeah of course yeah she did that she did the cover for that did she really i did not know that okay yeah. all right yeah, and uh, that uh, her and Trey were pretty tight, and uh, I guess Trey wanted to really wanted to use that artwork for it. And I don't do art; I don't do visual art, like in any way, shape, or form. I guess words on a notebook are the that's right. that's the best I can do. You're doing enough; it's enough. You have to do everything. But, uh, Throw you the broom um, to sweep up afterwards, right? Right. <laughs> And so, uh, uh, yeah, she, she's the one who did it. Uh, that, that was her thing, her photography, her, uh, and Trey, Trey, uh, had seen it and really wanted it to be the album cover. And that was the, you did that one electrical, I believe, if I remember correctly, right? We did. Yeah. Um, that was a weird time for us because uh, we had this practice space, uh, the music lab in South Austin, we had a lockout that was just a magical place. And, and, uh, we would just spend hours in there and, uh, we moved practice spaces to a spot in East Austin that just sucked. And so we were kind of prepping for this new album and, it was it was a strange it was it was a strange place to 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 uh to prep for that album we did all right i mean if i could go back and 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 record el camino again again i would really 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you feel like just? Do you feel like that vibe kind of informed the performance? No. Uh, well, I think uh, we recorded with Steve Albini for that one. Yeah, he's okay. And he, yeah, she is okay. <laughs> <He's> all right. <laughs> and uh, and I I think he really helped bring out things that that we were lacking when we came in yeah um first of all we like to go into the studio not quite knowing what we're doing but like having like a big road map but letting like the chips fall where they may when we get in there yeah steve kind of had a was kind of like why would you do that here? <laughs> you know? yeah not necessarily yeah. his vibe sure yeah yeah. Right. Yeah. He like expects bands coming in really tight, knowing what what they're doing, and yeah. and 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 we're like, well, that's just how we do it, you know. I mean, I can't explain to you. I mean, uh, that, I think once he understood that, like, um, I don't know. Uh, no, he he was first of all. I, I cherish the time I spent recording that album. Uh, absolutely cherish it because I went into that studio. Uh, first of all, I mean, I've been listening to Big Black since I was like 16 years old, sure. you know, yeah, and, yeah. and was a huge shellac fan. And and uh, and I, it, for about 10 minutes, I was just like, what the fuck? Who the fuck do we think we are? <laughs> you know? And, and then... And then after, you know, after 10 minutes, he becomes a dude and, yeah. you know, and, and we're just doing a thing. And, uh, Steve's just this guy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but what, one really cool thing that happened was we were supposed to record in studio B and the air conditioning was out uh-huh. in studio. B. And, uh, so he was like, you guys just want to do studio A, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, have it for the same price the air conditioning yeah. works in there and so we got studio a for the price of studio b so that was kind of cool and uh one I, I would say the most amazing part of that experience for me was uh when i went down to record the vocal tracks it was about 10 or 11 in the morning and it was just me and steve and and I think Steve picked up on me like not being the most confident guy in the world and just kind of being new at vocals and everything. Yeah. And and uh, he he would uh, he he would just kind of he 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 really treated me with kid drop kid gloves. It was it was it was lovely. Uh, he would be like, "Y'all right there, Chief?" You know, and uh, you know he'd be like, he'd be like. You, you you think you did all right there? And I'd be like, yeah, be great. And he'd be like, uh, let's do another one. <laughs> it was very generous. Very generous. The, uh, the, I, I know that mo- the, the Toshi version of that is, uh, it was pretty good. Which is like, no, it wasn't. Do it over again. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I think it was it was when we were That's recording awesome. Great White Vacation, like right after I did the lyrics or right after I did the words, he uh he uh like cut the tape and just went, 
well bowled, sir. Well bowled. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. <laughs> but that was my my favorite part of that experience uh, doing doing the vocals. Just me and Steve mm-hmm. down there. It's yeah. I mean, if you first, so, yeah. So here in the last days in Robe, I feel like you know the first two songs in there. I think that's um, two of the more iconic songs within the catalog of the band, almost like mission statement songs, as far as I'm concerned. Do you do you feel that's the case? Like, do you feel like those are important songs in the pantheon of the band, or do you even think about any of that kind of thing, or what? Because I mean, <laughs> well, well, the weird thing about here in the last days is. Uh, we we came in that was one of the songs that we came into the studio with like not fully formed we didn't know if it was going to become a song or not mm. and uh and there was an extra verse to that song that uh i thought was really important to the song that that uh that, that got vetoed and uh just because we didn't expect it to become the first song on the album yeah you know? it's, it's, i mean we, we didn't think that we thought we, this was going to be the thing that got cut. Yeah. And so we made it as short as possible, you know. Um, I mean, there's this whole other section of it, you know, here in the last days in usury, subdivision, mindlessness, vice and gadgetry, sweet shadow fall on me, you know, that, that wasn't in the song, you know, that should have been in the song. So I, every time I hear it, I think like that should have been there. And so that's when I would like to go back in and re-record because it's missing things it's missing an appendage you know here in the last last days (laughs) ignition remix yeah uh (laughs) well no but it's it's uh so as a listener to me the way that it hits is sort of almost like um like the Stephen King book, Different Seasons, right? It's actually like, you know, uh, not short stories, not full-length books. They're kind of like little novellas. And mm-hmm. each one of them, we all know Stephen King can, if he wants to write, he can keep, man, keep writing, you know, and it's it's generally very compelling, but there's almost something <laughs> to be said for the succinct nature of, of these tales. Uh, and it to, to me, it kind of hits on that same way with that song. It's like, oh, it feels like there could be more, but it, it almost... If anything, it's going to invite you to like, oh, let's check, let's check back in with that song. You know, when you get to the end of What's the that? record. What's that? What's the name of that book? Oh, Different Seasons. It's it's the one's got um the body, which became Stand by Me, and uh, oh okay, and the it's well in the book the book it's Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, but they made a little movie about that one as well. And then then there's a pretty good novella called At People in there as well that I know they made a movie of it. I heard it's freaking terrible so i'm never gonna watch it but uh, but yeah great great um you know a novella where a novel would have been perfectly fine for all of those but like the, it's almost like the, the restraint shown seemed baked into the process yeah so anyway that that's my long way of saying that i think that's a good song so that's good uh but <laughs> rope uh, oh i should say rope is another song where the music is purely trey uh, that's a straight up Trey Pool song, and uh, I pilfered the the words from a, an older song of mine and put them on top. Ah. Of it. And, uh, that's one of that's a straight up Trey song. Well, and you bring up something there with uh, yeah, I, I I can't remember who it was I was talking to, but just uh, taking something that you know phrase or 
or lyric that didn't quite hit maybe where you wanted it to or uh, you know by nature of the arrangement or or whatever and repurposing that and and reusing it in a different way or or putting it in a different context you know like uh uh you know it's a llama in the jungle versus a llama in the desert <laughs> kind of situation for to, to use a weird oblique strategy but uh that's a good uh, good analogy actually <laughs> <laughs> and and uh and certain certain phrases pop differently when their surroundings change so is that something that as someone that's you know uh, lyrically minded that that's that's thinking about the words do you ever have that kind of like oh mm, that that didn't end up sitting in that song the way that i thought it was gonna but if i put it over here hey that'll maybe that'll do what i want it to do or maybe that'll suit it better absolutely and and a lot of it is uh first of all a lot of a lot of songs that are Gary songs existed as different, like lyrically existed as different songs and were Arizona songs. So I'm, and, and, and they were supposed to be Arizona songs. So I'm taking them and like putting them into Texas songs. Yeah. Yeah. You're so, pulling them out of the well. Right. So. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and so I would love to do an, an album of, of, of how the songs were originally written. Mm. And, and, uh, and, and they would be very different. There were, a lot of them would be very different songs. You know, something like 905 uh, um, off of Chubb was originally called Eulogy. And and it's got a very different feel, very different cadence to it. And and uh, I would I would I would love to see that happen. Yeah. You know, I think I think uh, that's something that I would like the Gary to do is to, to revisit the original versions of those songs. And uh, it would be wildly different with the yeah. same lyrics, but I think it's worth doing. Why not? Why not? I mean, I, th- I think you got, uh, you know, the folks that are going to be into it would be, I'm sure would be curious to to hear that. You know, you don't have to, you know, look, when, you, when you're <laughs> when you of a certain age, you, you don't have to worry about universal appeal for something. You just do the appeal for the folks that's for. <laughs> that's totally fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's like two or three hundred people who who give a shit about what we do. Well, and, yeah, I mean, and that, <laughs> that's enough. That is enough for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so any, so before we move on from El Camino, any other thoughts on any any of the rest of that? I mean, that's all fantastic, but I just want to make sure that I don't dash forward too quickly. Um, El Camino. Let's see. A while. Um. The, the song a while uh was a song that was kind of written for my uh ex-wife uh and i think what i uh really wanted her to know in that song was uh this what i'm doing here like this music thing really means a lot to me and uh and and it, it puts me in a place, in a very present place. And uh, I'll be with you in a while. And I think I, I think I did that to the point of overkill. Um, and uh, it became a very sad song yeah. after we split. And uh, uh, to the point where I told the guys, I can't play this song anymore. I can't do this anymore. And, uh, but... You know that that song was written specifically for her, 
uh, for, for, and maybe that song existed for selfish reasons. I don't know. But um, uh, the song uh, Great White Vacation was written in Mesquite, Nevada, while I was working in Bryce Canyon. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. I was trying to think where Mesquite was, and it, it was not coming to mind at all. But I don't have a Nevada map in front of me, so thank you for pointing it, the area. It's Okay, you've got uh, – what I forget what the interstate is that goes – goes along like the wasatch front and like down southern utah and it's a 90 i forget uh, what it is it's what it's yeah it's, it's what i think it's one of the 90s I, I can't remember exactly which one though yeah um but it goes through the arizona strip uh, or the corner of the arizona strip that goes uh yeah kind of cuts down okay i know the one you're talking about yep yep okay got it and then it's nevada right at mesquite nevada right on the border and that's where all the Jack Mormons go to gamble or just Mormons in general go to gamble. And I was working in, uh, I was looking to sin a little when I was living in Utah and, sure. and went down to eat. And I brought my, uh, I brought my, I had a, I had a Fostex, uh, four track that took batteries at the time and, uh, brought that and an acoustic guitar. And after I had, Rule number one: Always get the hotel first when you're when you're looking <laughs> when you're looking to go and get the hotel first. And so, like I went and checked in, dumped my stuff in there, went and gambled my entire paycheck and drank my entire paycheck, and uh, did the walk of shame back to my room and and wrote Great White Vacation. So nice. that's the nice. That's where that well, yeah. And then I recorded it with the Gary years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, 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 that's, a, that's a good pull from the well there. <laughs> and then uh, the next song, Expiration, uh, has, there, there are several different versions of that. Yeah, I was going to say, there. There, there's a couple of them, yeah. So. Yeah, there's uh, Expiration 1 on, on Chubb. There's uh, Expiration that existed before Chubb on one of the tapes that I used to give to my friends back in the late 90s. There's... Uh, I've, I've done some explorations just for myself and it's just like this thing this that I uh, it, it, it's just this thing I check in with myself every few years with that song and write different versions of it so there may be explorations three four five six seven down the line I don't hey this is many there are uh, fast and furiouses Furious, furious, <laughs> furiosity. I don't know. I don't know what a plural plurality of furious would be. So then, uh, so let's walk forward to remains. So, and again, not a long period of time between records there either. It's, it's um, yeah, a year and a half, something along those lines between release. Hmm. Uh, some. Notable Gary jams on there. You know, you got Valhalla, you got Fairweatherer, uh, you know, Call the Dogs, great closing closing song. Definitely not bright colors for that album cover. <laughs> A little more bleak and dire. <laughs> yeah. What what is the what is the cover on of of, the, uh, of anyway? I think that's Ocean City. Um, it, it's uh, Katrina. Um. Does that uh, we we are the original cover we were going to do of Galveston, and uh, during uh, one of the hurricanes that year, or no, not Galveston was it? 
I forget which hurricane we were originally going to do. It was that. It was the it's year. damn many of them. You know? <laughs> yeah. where, uh, there were just hurricanes coming in one after the other along the Gulf Coast. Yeah. And Trey's uncle died in one of them. One of them. Uh, he died in uh, Ike. He, that was the one we were we were going to do a picture of Hurricane Ike on the Galveston coast, and we're told we couldn't do it uh, due to copyright reasons. Mm. But uh, Trey's uncle died. He was the first documented death on that uh, uh, in that hurricane because he's uh, Trey's from Galveston. His mom is from Galveston, and uh, is. His uncle was from Galveston, and they were like Galveston old schoolers. And his uncle was one of those people who said, "I don't care what storm comes through. I don't care how right. bad it is. I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to, you know." Well, he did that, and then the hurricane started coming in. He was like, "Oh shit! I need to get off this island." And about midway down the causeway, his truck got blown off into the, um, yeah, into the water, and and so so he passed and. Uh, I don't know. Uh, me and Trey are very weather informed. The Gary is very weather informed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if, if you know this about Trey. He does hail repair for a living. Yeah, I, I I think I knew and forgot it, but that 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 does yeah. ring a bell. Yeah. Which was a big reason why we recorded in electrical that year was because we had a really incredible hail year the year before, uh, where. Uh, Trey made a lot of money um, doing hail repair, and we're like, "Fuck it, let's go record at Electrical Audio." Yeah, it's bad for everyone's buildings, but uh, really good for the Gary, as it turns out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, it's it's uh, it's the un- it's the untold tales that people come come to this show for, so it's all right. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, that, uh, we uh, we had originally planned for that to be the cover, and then uh, it got shot down due to copyright issues. And we did a picture. I think it was a picture of Ocean Springs during Katrina. That's on the cover. Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Yeah, and and it, I mean, no matter which disaster it is, it gets the point across that it's it's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. bleak. Wow, that's wow, something. Something rough, <laughs> just, like just happened pretty recently here, um, and again, you know, with the, with the evocative novella style title remains. You know, you can you can take that a few ways, but uh, it, it it that it was a Paul it. Warner joint. He, he's the one who came up with that. I, I think it's a great album title. I I'm glad it was called that. Absolutely, no, totally agreed. Uh, so talk to so let's 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 spend a little time on this one here. So talk to me about uh, Valhalla, the kickoff song. Did you know that one was? Uh, hey, this one's gonna. This is definitely gonna be a first song joint, or no? No, no, not at all. That's one of those uh, going in with it, uh, not quite formed, and it becoming the the kickoff thing. Uh, there's a different there. There's a Southern Utah version of Valhalla, and then there's an up, a Texas update. And I don't want to go into it. Uh, uh, yeah, there's it, it's a, it's a it's a weird thing that involves a bunch of people where I'd rather not talk about what that's exactly that's. Yeah, um, you don't know anybody any specificity, Dave. It, it was it was just a, a, a 
some people who got together and had a really good time to the point where they destroyed themselves and destroyed their relationships. So fair enough. That's yeah. Fill in the blanks, figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So how about fair weather that? I mean, to me, that's that that's a iconic song. And then the Pantheon, that seems like a kind of like a, you know, if someone's doing like a try before you buy, you recommend it to a friend. Hey, if you like this, you know, let me know. And then I'll give you, give you a couple other ones to check out afterwards. Uh, do you, do you feel that way? Like, you know, as, as the writer, do you feel like that's uh that one kind of uh, does something kind of special? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> Fair. Uh, it it, it kind of comes from a sore spot and it happened kind of as uh it's kind of related to valhalla and uh the group of people who were together and and uh and after they separated and uh i will say this like uh i've always been kind of a good time charlie when i'm drunk and (laughs) and uh something that when it's really rolling people want to be around and when that's gone. People don't want to be around me at all. So uh, I think that's what that song was about. And it's not exclusive to that uh, situation, but it was, uh, um, I, 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 it's just about fair weather friends. We've all had them yeah. and you know, where uh, they want to be around you when you're at your high point and when you, oh, when yeah. you need them, they're gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's all aces when it's a party. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got a, a nostalgic for the present. That's a that's a good one, and that's it, it, that's an all timer um, title for the age <laughs> as as well. Paul Oster. I got it from Paul Oster from uh, I forget which book of his it was. It might have been Moon Palace or something. Um, it was just a line in the book and I, uh, that, that I don't claim to have any original ideas. I mean, I, 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 just like everyone else, I pick it apart from where I learn it and apply it to my life as I need it. Well, but it's, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a borrow. It's an interpretation. It's a, it's a set, it's a window dressing. It's a set dressing. You know, it's, it's doesn't come across like that I and mean, i think there's plenty of folks that have been lionized uh, in many different art forms that are complete cultural magpies and would be the first ones to cop to and it's sort of all about the presentation as much as anything else right well i think i i have uh, had a very difficult time being present through most of my life uh, yeah. and uh, and i'm always worrying about something that happened to me or worrying about something that's about to happen to me and um, you think it's getting better over time or it is, it absolutely is. Um, I, you know, as much as a fad as, you know, this mindful thing, mindfulness thing is, or, you know, even like, you know, the apps and, and all that, it's, it's so important right now, uh, yeah. for people to be able to, to, uh, to just shuck off everything you know, that's plaguing them and, and, and just being able to have a moment uh, with themselves. Yeah. 
at that moment. And, and, uh, and however you do it, it's, it's good. You know, whatever it takes to do that, it's good. And, uh, I, 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 uh, I, I'm really a proponent of, of meditation and, and it's helped me tremendously, it's tremendously. And I've done it in, in different forms all my life, but, or not all my life, but say from like age 18, 19 up to, you know, now, but, but I've just learned to discipline it recently. And, uh, and, and, and it's useful. It's a very useful tool. So yeah, that, that's what, what all that's about. Uh, nostalgic for the present is me just hankering to be, uh, be me now. You know, just yeah. just just be in the present. It's a constant battle for some of us, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for I'd say most of us. You know, I mean, I mean, with all the distractions we have coming at us all the time. Yeah, it's almost like every aspect of society and culture is trying to push it push it the other way because there's money to be made on it. You know, whether it's you know nostalgia for the past or whether it's a uh, you know oh fear of missing out or <laughs> you know whatever whatever it happens to be it's uh sometimes it's very important just to even if it's not the best time in the world to sit with yourself and be okay with that and just be like i am feeling this way right now and this is a thing that is happening right now which is a time that i'm living in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whew. That's some that's some Deepak Chopra right there. Okay, so <laughs> some Deepak Chopra. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how about how about the evidence? And and again, I want to I want to kind of honor as much of the songs we can get to here. Uh, there's um that's the one. It's got the cello, right? It's a uh, um I forget the he- uh, was it henna. Henna child, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think uh, y- y'all y'all played that in Oakland, if I remember right, uh, or am I yeah, thinking of a different one? Played in Oakland. That was, that was around when Remains came out, I guess. Yeah, and Hannah came out. Uh, she was a good friend of mine for a few years, and and uh, um, and I haven't talked to Hannah in quite some time, but uh, fair weatherer. I don't know. <laughs> no, that, that's shitty. I hope she doesn't watch this. <laughs> well, it's an excuse to reconnect. That's that's how to look yeah. at it, right? <laughs> it's an invitation no. more than anything else. You no, know, what happened? Uh, her and her husband got divorced, and I, I was in a band with her husband. It's still, well, no, her husband moved to New Zealand. Ex-husband. I'm in this band called Baby Robots that her ex-husband was in, and um, I think she was just kind of like don't associate with those people and yeah i'm like yeah but i'm in a band with these people and and uh it, it just got weird and and i haven't talked to her in quite some time and that's a shame because because i love her and and, and she's uh just an amazing talented person yeah very much so yeah yeah uh, she uh she does church of the friendly ghost out here uh it's a experimental music I don't know if they're doing it on a weekly thing again or not, but uh, um, she she does that and uh, and she plays. She does a has a has a uh, she does 
a thing called Oxox, A-U-X, A-U-X. Oh. I would recommend go to that. And uh, yeah, I, I will always admire her. Always. Anything she does, I will always admire her. I feel like it'd be uh, disingenuous to move on without talking a little more about Call the Dogs because we talk about evocative imagery and Gary songs. I think that's, uh, you know, just just the the idea alone uh, of of the you know call the dogs to piss on the fire is, is just such a well first of all great way to close a record right because <laughs> you're talking about like you know clo- closing off another other experiences but it just it brings to my almost you know you can take it a Cormac McCarthy direction if you want but it, it definitely leaves it open to interpretation for quite a few things what was the thought process on on that one how did that one come to pass. Uh, my uncle David, who I was named after, uh, he's the other Dave Norwood. He used to work for J. Frank jo- J. Frank Doby, uh, who was a writer from here. And this was in the early '60s. And uh, I, as the crow flies right now, I'm about two miles from Doby's ranch, where Call the Dogs happened. Um, Doby's ranch is now used as a uh, or his uh, property is now used as a writer in residence area for uh, for the University of Texas. But uh, my uncle David, and it was the year before J. Frank Doby died. Um, uncle David had done some work for him, and uh, and and uh, Doby said, "Would you help me uh, come and winterize?" my property because uh there's a big front coming in soon uh we're having a big norther and and i can't do this by myself he was old and uh and my uncle was like fuck yeah yes siri because he was a big fan of his my uncle's a literary groupie groupie you know and uh so uh they went out there and they went and covered the pipes and did whatever they had to do to winterize that whole thing. And, and, uh, there, there's a fireplace there. And, and so Doby, uh, was like, listen, uh, I remember my uncle said they must give him like, there must be a thing to give writers bourbon because the walls were just lined with bourbon, you know, <laughs> everywhere. All over, like. And, uh, so, so Doby was like, do you want to have some drinks? And my uncle, who was like in his early 20s at the time, he had just come back from Bay of Pigs. He was in the Navy. Um, and and, and uh, he was like, sure. And they went back there and uh, they drank whiskey. They got shitty. And uh, at one point they were sitting by the fire and Doby like kicked up his legs on my uncle and said, Norwood, before all said and done, don't forget to call the dogs and piss on the fire. And uh, wow, uh, that's what, um, <laughs> I didn't know it was a quote. <laughs> hang on, <laughs> that that almost wow, that almost uh, that almost seems obvious in retrospect, but that's uh, that's pretty astounding. <laughs> like that, I don't to be able to see this. Hey, look at that! All right, okay, so there it is for for people Let listening only. Wrote to my uncle David back in 1963 for doing some work for him, and if anyone wants to take this and do a screenshot or whatever, it's really cool. Oh man, so, that's awesome! Yeah, that's a, that, I'm not gonna. I, 
it would take me a while to read <laughs> off the whole thing, but that's that's killer. Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I, I could have taken taken. I could have taken a screenshot. Sure, I did not took in a screen, screenshot though. So I'll have to. We'll do that in post. We'll fix it in post. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so I just want to put this out there for the Dobie fellowships that UT is doing. If anyone wants to invite me out there to write songs for six months, you'll do it. I'd be do it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll volunteer for that duty gladly. If if yeah. not if not if nominated, you will run. If elected, you will serve. <laughs> yes. Uh, so okay, so let's we gotta we gotta move on. Uh, any any other thoughts for remains for nothing we uh, already covered? Um, no. Other than we did that lungfish song, and I've been a lungfish fan for as long as, I mean, since I was like, I guess ninety one was when I first heard Necklace of Heads. And, just I've always loved that band. I asked Daniel Higgs beforehand if I could do that song, and uh, he was down here playing a solo show, and he was very nice about it. And 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 yeah, that I'm, I'm glad to have been able to do a lungfish song. What's yeah. what's uh what's the cut of that dude's jib? Like it seems like that could go a couple different directions with that fella. Like it seems like he could be a total wild card, or it could be just you know really nice fella. What? What was your take on him? I've met him twice. Yeah. And the first time was lovely. And uh, the second time was a little uh, edgy. So uh, it's true. It, it, it is a wild card. <laughs> say, roll the dice, baby. Let's go. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I love him. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I mean... And love what everything he's done and uh, everything he continues to do. Talk about a dude with his own voice, you know? I mean... In, in, in all aspects of all things, like <laughs> all respect <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. So you got, uh, you, you got, you got some time. You got a couple, uh, a couple more years and that you got farewell, farewell, foolish objects. So what's happening between those time period, the run up for that record, you know, like what's, what, what, where's the, where's the band at? You know, at this point you've got a good catalog behind you. You know what you can do. You know what you do well. You know, you know, you're expanding out this way. You're moving stuff over that way. Talk to me about farewell, foolish objects. Well, uh, oh, first of all, we went and we went to Europe right after. Uh, That's yes. Uh, right, right, right after uh, remains, or actually, right before, just like a couple of weeks before remains came out, we we went to Europe. Joe Four, right? If that I... was an amazing experience. And then, uh, and then we had, you know, a couple of years or a year of writing a new album or whatever. And, uh, I should say we recorded remains with Matthew Barnhart and he's a peach and we love him. And, Forgot to mention that. Yeah. 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 Good dude. And, uh, he talk about a guy who just makes our room feel good. You know? Yeah. And, uh, um, we, we did that Europe tour. We also did uh, a little stint with Mission of Burma. And we did, oh, yeah. what else went on? It seems like a whole bunch of shit was happening at that point. That's when things really started cooking for us. And then, uh, then we went in with Chico Jones again and recorded Farewell Foolish Objects. And, uh, I I I really like that album. It's I 
my my favorite album we've ever done is Logan. My second favorite is Farewell Food, Foolish Objects. Do you do you think that? I mean, did you feel like you had to kind of figure it out, like what the band can do, especially with like you know, doing playing all these different shows in these different areas, and you know, with these with these bigger bands, seeing what connects, what doesn't. Uh, you know, did did you did you feel like you had like a pretty authoritative response? I think second time I've used that in this show uh, <laughs> to to those experiences, or was it just more? You know, the not really. As soon as we think we're someone, it's just like everything goes dead. Um, like as soon as we think we, you know, uh, we get all big for our britches, and then like suddenly, like it's just like, oh, no one gives a shit. All right. <laughs> so, uh, it's easy to, uh, it's e- yeah, you, you can you can lose a sense of scope and scale sometimes when you have stuff going on where, where it's like, oh wow, this is the yeah. world. Nope, sure isn't. Yeah, yeah. So I think we had reached a point of like big for our bridges and then like, yeah, it's getting kind of quiet. And then we recorded Farewell Foolish Objects. Uh, that that album, I've never liked that album title. I, it hurts my tongue to say it. <laughs> and uh, uh, I like, but I do like that album a lot. I think, I think it's one of our best sounding albums. I think it's the most adventurous I ever got with my voice. And uh, I don't know. I just think it flows well. I like that album. Some good lines too. Some, some stuff. I mean, like it's got that's the one's got the uh, you know kind of starts off. It you think it's going to be one thing, and then it kind of gives you a, gives you a slap upside the face mm-hmm. there for, right. <laughs> for your expectations, which is always a. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that, aka the black dog, the poster children black dog, <laughs> not the Led Zeppelin black dog. Uh you know, there's uh, let's give each other our maps of madness. That's a that that, that that's a solid one. That's a solid line. <laughs> Actually, it's, oh, <laughs> <laughs> one I solidly wrote. I didn't rip that one off. <laughs> uh, uh, no, that uh, let's cut a path existed in a in a wildly different form years before that, and um, I would like to record that song the way it originally happened at some point. But I do like what it became later on. Yeah, because it's it's something where you could see it being in, in a more stripped down arrangement, kind of take on like a different tone, right? Sort of like you know, certain songs may be like the most jubilant, joyful things in the world. You know, something like flipping a A minor instead of a A major. Right. <laughs> and next right. thing you know, it's a, yeah. something totally different. Um, it would be it would be interesting to hear that hear that more stripped down, but I think it works with the uh, you know I mean you got the, the crazy wall of distortion, not distortion, but you know the 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 presence uh, hitting as as part of the arrangement, and to not have that and and it, you have to hit the emotional cues somewhere the way that sometimes sometimes people can just fill in the blanks themselves with the listener that or at least that's what I think anyone that's ever tried to play an acoustic song of a big rock number probably thinks of themselves well that was another song that we went into the studio not knowing entirely how that was going to happen and it just happened right yeah you know so that a lot me and trey and paul just had a really good chemistry you know um around that time was when paul paul uh 
I really relied on Paul a lot to, uh, during the recording process to tell me what was right and what was wrong. Yeah. Am I warbling off note? Am I doing something ridiculous? He was always a really good filter for me, you know, and, and, and that, uh, at that session, that was the point. I think, first of all, we were asking a lot of Paul. We were asking, he was, he was not a drummer. Yeah. But he, he, he I love how he played drums, but that wasn't his thing really he i think that was another thing we just thought the gary was going to be something we did for a couple of years and that was it yeah so he ends up in this band playing drums for eight years when he's drums that's not his primary not, instrument i mean he's a guitarist and singer basically he's a front man he's a, like yeah that's his deal totally. that's how i know him from and he stuck with it for a really long time and and, uh, and 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 we knew that that he was getting to the point of of uh he, he was he was about having enough and uh and so he wasn't really around for that session much and and uh also we went to europe around that time again and uh at that time that was weird because i wasn't drinking and they were so i just felt like a chaperone the whole time <laughs> right as you're the dd yeah <laughs> <laughs> But it was amazing. It was an amazing time. I love, man, I love touring Europe so much. Uh, if anyone out there needs me to go tour Europe with them, <laughs> I will do it. I will drop everything and we'll do it. But yeah, at the time, uh, things were kind of ebbing. And, uh, and then by 2016, uh, Paul was done with it. And yeah. And then we were like, what do we do with this? Do we shut it down? We decided, like, let's just call it. And then uh, we called it. And then our friend Anthony came into the picture. Uh, he was in a band called Blue Kabuki, and it played in uh, one, one our uh, Trey's wife had played in a band called Killdeer for a while they're like our sister band for a long time we play a bunch of shows with them and and mary is amazing she's an amazing musician i wish she was still playing music um just an amazing musician amazing guitar player just has her own voice and uh um she was in killdeer and then she uh they kind of transformed into a band called ex-cousins and anthony played in ex-cousins and then when ex-cousins dissolved I guess he said, hey, I'll play in the Gary. And so Trey was like, hey, we got a drummer. Let's keep doing this. <laughs> keep it so going. We kept doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's – it was a pleasant surprise to, to, to see guys keep going because I, I think, they, you know, the expectation when you have a run – and you have, like – and honestly, like, you know, that Farewell Foolish Objects is a great record, but it almost seems like – That'd be a fine capstone to like a pretty solid runner records. I thought, too. I thought that too. Yeah, like that. That'd be like a you know Indian on top. You know, there's no mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's there's no uh, indulgent uh, concept records or regrettable ska outings or anything. You know, <laughs> right. believe me, Conan. I thought that too, but uh, I mean, and also I play music in other bands. I mean, I'm in yeah. Baby Robots. Spoils, uh, you know, I'm always playing shit somewhere. So, like, I'm not hurting to play music, and and I'm not, I'm not necessarily hankering to sing all the time. I love being able to just hang back and play bass. Yeah, 
and uh, and so it was weird for me to say, okay, let's keep doing this. But um, I really enjoyed the pace that we were doing it before. And okay, first of all, we've had a lot of shit coming at us uh, for for a few years since 2016. Uh, Trey had cancer twice over. And uh, Anthony's wife had cancer and, and we've just, you know, there, there's just been a, a bunch of shit coming out of that career wise. And so we're just kind of like moving against the storm right now. And so, so that's, uh, that's a big reason why we're not moving at the rate we used to move, move at, because we've just got a lot coming at us and have had a lot coming at us for the last few years. Um, that said, there are a lot of songs that exist that haven't been played yet. So um, I would imagine at some point we're going to record a new album. So, well, that's lovely uh, news. We, and, and, sorry? And, and I said that's lovely news, and that also reminds me that, hey, maybe we should talk about the one that just came out uh, <laughs> and speak, speak a little bit of that one because, man – not a lot of bands can handle uh, like a like what seven year break and like changing out like a core member. Now I know for a fact that you know he's it's not like you you got him last week. Like it's been mm-hmm. he's been playing with you for a while. But I mean, changing a core component of of a power trio, you know, that's it's dangerous yeah. territory. That can, that can go a lot of ways. <laughs> Right. So I mean, the the most immediate difference would be that you know Anthony is very much seems more like a traditional drummer, like you know, as opposed to the awesome, don't quite understand it stuff Paul Warner was up to, which is you know key to his unique style. Uh, did did well, it? Thing, drummers would always be like, "What the fuck's going on with your drummer?" <laughs> like, like Paul Warner always had drummers scratching their heads. Yeah, you know, like like what. Why? Why are you yeah. doing that? You know? <laughs> oh, okay. You know? Well, and it, it ended up... It added an element of kind of unexpectedness to the overall presentation, though. And it's almost, like, more interesting the fact that you got... You know, both both you guys are kind of planted, right? Like, you're, you're, you're in the more, uh, like, the ox, all of the who thing except for also mm-hmm. vocals and then you got trey who's not exactly you know doing doing pete townsend he's kind of root down as well and then you have right. paul warner doing his paul warner stuff where it's like what's what that guy what's 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 happening yeah all, all the more crazy when you already know paul warner from you know being the front man of a band where it's it, it's like wow oh. when did when did you okay cool i mean that's I don't under, quite understand what's happening there, but it sounds great. So that's we're gonna we're gonna go with it. We're gonna run with it. But I guess what I'm driving at with this is is different different drumming style. You know, different uh, d- different style drummer. Does it change how the songs come together? Does it change how the yeah. songs come to pass? Really? I mean, does it feel new again? Does it feel like same but different? Yeah, it does feel new again, and. It- Okay, first of all, me and I've always written songs in three, fives, and sevens, and 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 there's a lot of that throughout the Gary's discography up to up to the new one, and uh, and uh, so uh, you know 
Anthony's a pretty four, four kind of guy. And Trey has always been kind of a four, four kind of guy who's had to deal with me and Paul <laughs> doing three, five, sevens. And, and, and it's always just been him going, Rocking hey, motherfuckers, why can't you just play a fucking rock song? You yeah. Know? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and, and so, so now it's me going, you motherfuckers, why can't you play in three, fives and sevens? Because I'm, <laughs> Voted at this point. That, now so. you're in the you're in the thirty three percent now. Yeah, you're not on the sixty six percent anymore. <laughs> well, but it, it, it strikes me that anybody that's a fan of the band uh, will immediately be into Fallow. I mean, I think I think it's it, it's something, and I think it stands on sound as well. Like it's something where it, it, if you if you like what you hear, then like, hey, there's a whole discography to to dig into. And if you don't mind, let's just you know while we're talking, let's let's just hit all six of them, and just you can tell me a little bit about each one, a little, you know, whether it be lyrics, arrangement, uh, associ- free association, memories, whatever. Uh, does that sound right. okay? I mean, we've been kind of doing that already, but let's just let's just hit all of these because this is the new one, and we gotta we gotta move some units here, Dave. I don't know if you're familiar, but <laughs> we need to move some units. <laughs> We didn't put this record out ourselves. We need to, some units. <laughs> so, uh, so then let's start. So, Fallow, and of course, uh, thegary.com. Um, Fallow is the name of the record. Ordinary People is the first song. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell me a little about Ordinary People? Yeah. Um, that, that song. Uh, I don't know if it was, I can't remember exactly when the lyrics were written, but it's kind of about uh, this guy, Mark, that I knew back when I worked at Bryce Canyon and he was from Las Vegas and uh, he had just gotten into all sorts of trouble. He walked, he used to work for a casino and he walked out uh, one, one time he was transferring money from one part of the casino to the other, like $5,000. I think he said it was, it wasn't a whole lot, but it was you know a lot to him at the time. And he's just like, I'm just going to keep on walking. I'm going to walk right out into the parking lot with this. And I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to go to my car with this and, and I'm going to start a new life with this. And, and uh, anyway, he ended up in jail for a long time <laughs> and and uh, he, he, after he got out of jail, he ended up getting a job at Bryce Canyon. And that's where me and him met. Oh, wow. And okay. he, he had a bad gambling problem, and I had a bad drinking problem. And uh, the both of us just kind of hit it off that summer. And, uh, and, and we would just sit there and like, why can't we just do what regular fucking people do? You know, yeah, why yeah, can't yeah. we just do it? Like, what's stopping us? Like, what is this diversion? What, like, we, we would just like sit there on, you know, on the porch of our employee dorms and, and, and just try and figure it out. Like, why did you, why do we just fuck up and fuck up and fuck up? And, uh, and, and we just could never figure it out. And, yeah. and, uh, and I think that was the, that that was the genesis of that song like how do regular people do it how do regular people just not stay up all night and gamble and drink and 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 fuck up and fuck up and wake up with the sun and uh and and live ordinary lives yeah and and that's what that that song is about yeah man that's uh 
I think of, I mean, it's impossible for me not to think of Repo Man, but I mean that as a compliment where I just think, (laughs) (laughs) I think of that brilliant interaction. That movie. What's that? I've never seen Repo Man for all the punk references, like in my teens and everything. Oh, you got, it's, well, all right. So the special effects do not hold up, but the movie holds up. Even, even just the, uh, it's one of those movies that when you end it, it's like, huh. That is not how I expected that to end, but <laughs> but it is a wild ride, and it's a uh, it's it's I'm I'm not gonna say it's underrated, but it's it's rated accurately. It, it's cultural importance. Uh, you should watch it. It'd it, it, it'd be it'd be a good watch. I'd be I'd be interested in seeing w- what your take as a grown ass man watching Repo Man for the first time would be. I am a grown ass man, and I will watch it soon. <laughs> I'm reminded of getting Brendan Canty's take on Back to the Future in the in the year uh, 2018. When was it that he that Mistetics came through? And even Joe Lolly was like, "You've never seen Back to the Future?" <laughs> oh, dude! Hey, do you want to hear a Brendan Canty and Joe Lolly story? All the time, always. Yes. Okay. Um, I saw uh, the Mistetics play last time they were here. Wasn't a huge turnout, you know. There were there maybe like thirty or forty people there, but uh, Brendan Canny's son goes to school here at UT, and he brought all his friends, and he plays in a band here, and uh, like they're just like some band, you know, some band you would expect a eighteen year old dude to play in, and right. you know, brought all his bandmates. Like, dude, my dad's in Bugazi. That's yeah, he's playing. To- you know, like what an amazing thing, like to be like, dude, my <laughs> my, my dad, dad is, is in Fugazi. Yeah, that is the sentence yeah. where it's like, like what? But, <laughs> but there wasn't a big turnout, so it ended up like me and 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 uh, Brendan and his kids just hanging out. That's awesome. And talk, and 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 like and and Joe too. I had amazing conversations yeah. with Joe, and and I'm a big fan of Joe's solo album. So I was like, why don't you keep doing that? And he's yeah. like, I just feel like I'm Confessing everyone, you know. Uh, <laughs> I just want to. I think I just want to bring more joy than than yeah. all that depressing shit I was doing. And it was just an amazing night. I mean, an amazing night with Mesthetics. That's lovely. I, Before the pandemic happened. Loved it. Yeah, of course, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Info's second song. Of course, that one came out as a single in November, as well. Tell me a little bit about Info. Got a video. For, other than the fact, you have a video for it, which we aware of <laughs> and it's good <laughs> we had nothing to do with that video um um john, uh, john who who put that out his sister did it and uh we just don't do videos we don't do videos that was just some visuals for yeah i mean it almost uh, seemed like uh uh what uh re- relax your mind or you know i'm trying to think of like you know what these these compilations yeah. are of yeah i mean I mean, it was cool. I mean, we're, me and Trey are very connected to the Texas coast. So I think that was kind of like, cool, you know, sure, why not? There was a lot of Texas coast imagery on it and everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it necessarily said anything about the band or, but we had nothing to do with that. Um, so that's all I can say about the video. <laughs> it's like, I thought, I thought John's sister did some really cool imagery, Yeah. but it doesn't necessarily uh represent who not, we are or anything it's not like a mission statement for the song or the record of the band or anything along those lines fair enough well what about the song itself can you tell us a little about the song yeah it 
uh, I think I, I just spent a long time online at one point one day and, and, and had something to say about it. I think it, I think, I think whenever we remember that we're supposed to check our email about something or uh, for whatever reason we get online, we were off, we were diverted and then we're diverted and then we're diverted. Yeah. And then we end up on there way longer than, than we think we're, we're going to be in. And then we end up devoting a big chunk of our day to it. And uh, that's what that song's about. You just, uh, the blighted river in that song is the internet, you know, wasted all the way. Guess what I did today? Sit beside a blighted river, more a taker than a giver. That's all we do when we, when we, when, uh, we're consumers every time we get on there and we think we're just going to check our email and something takes our, or check our whatever, you know, and something takes our attention and then takes it elsewhere and elsewhere and elsewhere and elsewhere. Um, that's the blighted river. And, um, and it's just a shame. It's that, that it's just a shame. That's where we are as people right now. And, I agree. and, uh, I hope, I hope we can do better. <laughs> we can find a way out. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like what's the old saying, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. And it's, there's, yeah, absolutely. That's, <laughs> there's a lot of people making money on it the way it is. So lots of people making money on our attention. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what, what's that? What's that Mel, Mary Oliver quote? Um, the poet Mary Oliver. Um, the first step to attention is devotion. Or no, no. The first step to devotion is to, is attention. I'm sorry, uh, Conan. I've had a drink or two. I was going to say you could just say strike that, reverse it, and then you'd be you'd be sorted. So. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's still a beautiful sentiment. Um, so mm-hmm. then, third song's "Fallow Fields." Not exactly a title track, but title track ish title related <laughs> i think it's uh it goes back to the uh to the internet uh just all the time we put into other people's time other people's profits and greetings from the fallow field from the uncollected yield what grows up our unkempt soil weedy thickets of turmoil I don't know. It, it, uh, I think it's it's closely related to to info. Um, where we put our our interests, um, and how other people exploit it, and where we where we think we're when we think we're putting it in a, in a sound place, when in fact we're putting it in a place that can be exploited and uh, and and can work in our worst interests. Yeah. I mean, they do seem like set pieces together. Those two songs. It seems like there's yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a affinity between the two, uh, if, if you know that not unified, not unified in sound, certainly in purpose and <laughs> and material. And and both those songs, I think, are very related to "Damn Machines" off of Chubb. Um, uh, I, I if I were to lump songs together, those two songs would go with "Damn Machines." It's a uh, musical callback in a way. <laughs> I think. I mean, I think with with the lack of uh, of of affect and effect in our 
in our catalog or whatever. Like, I should hope the songs are somewhat evergreen, you know? I mean, yeah. The that where people can listen to Chubb and not think it's uh, not not so uh, removed from now. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like purposefully ephemeral or, uh, you know, tied to a time or anything. So, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And that's kind of, I, I, I almost wish that the the term Americana hadn't come to just define a very specific style of music. Because I, I always kind of like that in terms of, you know, like... To me, Creedence Clearwater Revival used to be Americana. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's a uniquely American band, you know, from the bayous of El Cerrito. That, uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, like, I think that that's yeah. beautiful, you know. I mean, they're, I mean, the lack of, you know, total reverb in their songs and stuff. Like, Creedence is pretty, I mean, to me, they're pretty, uh, uh, I mean, they they stand the test of time, you know. 100%, I mean, agreed. So that's a trip, man. You need to talk to Trey about some credence. <laughs> always, uh, I'm, I'm always ready to talk about credence too. That was he was. That's his dad is his like credence is his religion, you know. Oh yeah, that's nice. what Trey raised around, you know. Yeah, I, I'm 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 a fan. until he found this, then he got kind of weird. So. <laughs> Radical prostate. Yeah. Oh, the song Radical Prostate? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're still talking about the record, man. Um, Trey, um, I mentioned it before, he had gone through some cancer shit. Yeah. Uh, around 2000, when was it, 2017 or 18, he found out that he had prostate cancer. And, uh, and that really put things on hold for a little while. And, um, so there was that, I mean, we had just come off of, of, uh, Anthony's wife, Anne. she had just had the uh, breast cancer during the, uh, their, her pregnancy. And so she somehow managed to, you know, land clean on that, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, then we have Trey getting cancer. And which was just like, whoa, what the fuck? And so he had to do all that. Um, and that took a few months. And oh, no, we recorded Radical Prostate a few days before he went in for his cancer treatment. So he, he wanted to just do an instrumental of him going off the guitar and, and, uh, we didn't know what was going to happen yeah and then uh he ended up coming out on the other side pretty good and then he got it again and then there was that that whole episode so um trey's been through some shit man he has really been i i wish he would do podcast interviews trey won't do podcast interviews but uh he won't do any interviews but uh I wish he would talk about it, you know. Yeah. Because he's really gone through a lot. Through the, he's going through a lot right now. Like some shit has just happened that I don't. I'm not going to talk about because he has not given me the okay to talk about it. But he's just had so much coming at him, you know. And uh, 
it's amazing he still wants to play music. <laughs> well, he's a resilient dude, and all uh, all respect for that. So that's uh, yeah. I mean, there's tragedy is part of life, but it's sometimes you gotta wonder why some people get a heap and helping of it, and others <laughs> seem to skate right by. But that's that's, that's no, a completely man. different conversation. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a man. I, I don't know if I, if this is inappropriate, but I read what you wrote about your mom recently, and like, like, man, like, it's it's not always something we can just like skid right by, you know. I mean, it just hangs with us and hangs with us, and and uh, it's heavy shit, man. Like, like, especially as we get older and the people who are older than us start dying and everything, yeah, and we start having their start having symptoms and we get older too it's heavy fucking shit <laughs> <laughs> it's indeed heavy fucking shit i agree <laughs> all i can do now i can do is keep moving forward i mean it's, it's yeah you know what about like i'm not i'm not hiding from it it's it's something that i'm i'm dealing with every day and will continue to deal with every day yeah, for as long totally, as i live yeah. you know <laughs> It's a, a, one uh, Gary song, right? If I could go to one little thing, one little before we go elsewhere, is that my dad died a couple of years ago, and uh, I did not realize until he died that that's who I was like making songs and firing them to, you know? Yeah. Like I've been writing songs for him for so long to uh, help him understand who i am mm. and uh when after he died i'm like oh shit who do i do this for now you know and that's yeah. been a, a I've been, for the last two years that's that's been like who do i write songs for now it's been a really weird experience yeah that's heavy and that's you know, unless you're incredibly self-reflective, that's not something you're probably thinking about when you're 20. You know, like that's a, that's right. something that's going to be more more resonant as time goes on too. Uh, well, look, we got we got two more songs on this. Let's let's see it through. We got "Season Consume Me" is the uh, is next one. Can you tell me a little bit about that one? Yeah, that's what uh, that goes back to when I was living at the Grand Canyon um, during the winter of '98. I think it was. I did a season there and. Uh, I've always had a big problem with seasonal depression and uh, um, that's what that song's about. Uh, how how you you just bottom out and then find as soon as it comes around, you find a, a, a rope to hang on to and pull yourself out of it. Uh, it's I important. Think that's the... I mean, especially, man, I'm, I'm thinking back to you know, the COVID winter up here. It's like, oh, you, you already got the seasonal affective disorder? Well, guess what? Here's an extra heap and layer for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Congratulations, everybody. And then, yeah. uh, so, all right, you close out Fallow with Unconfirmed, Undenied. Mm -hmm. That's another Grand Canyon song. Um, when I lived on the East Rim, there were these two people who lived in uh, – okay there were three places where the people in the east room lived there was the park employees like the like at the um the watchtower we were talking about earlier people who worked there there was the people who worked at the babbitt store and there was the people who worked at the park service um i think it was just 
you know, have you ever lived in a small place where you just, you just, uh, you kind of do whatever you can with whatever you have. Oh, sure. You make the most absurd people, you know, uh, that, that's what that song's about. Um, just, just, uh, me and the weird, absurd people we, I made friends with at the time, you know, uh, some of them stick with you, you know, some of them end up in songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not everyone. Not all. Not... Stick with me or still with me. <laughs> so, Fallow, uh, folks can get that on the Gary Bandcamp, uh, Actor Age Records. I should mention that too. Uh, and um, thank you. It's it's uh, it's great. It's awesome, man. It sounds it's, it sounds like the Gary, and you get, it, it's it's a nice thing. It was it was sort of. You, you you search for certain things like along along the shoreline to look for like you know what ships are coming up over the over the horizon it was it was nice to see that flag flying dude thanks Akarn. and thanks for having me on here sure. and uh, i don't do this often but i uh, it's it uh i did a podcast interview a couple of months ago and it just went all kinds of wrong and and uh and i'm glad that I could speak to someone who I know, and that that was very helpful. <laughs> well, I, I'm pleased to have you on. I'm surprised it took me this long, frankly, to have you on. Uh, last thing, uh, can questions, the only can question I ever ask. Choose interpret it however you like. But why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? Because um, it's the only thing I know how to do. I've been doing it since I was, like, 15 years old, you know, um, it's, it's just the thing that I, it's the only thing I know how to do. I jump from job to job. I work, uh, I rarely work a job more than two or three years. And, and uh, it's mostly to support the music thing, which is the only thing I know how to do. So that's why I do what I do. Well, I think that's beautiful and I'm glad that you do it, man. Appreciate it. And I'm I'm stoked to hear that this isn't just a capstone. This is uh this this is this is the next chapter. You got you there's there's more Gary coming, and uh, you know there's there's light, there's light on the horizon, and that's a beautiful thing. Yes, sir. Dave, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Colin. I appreciate you having me. Until next time. Yes, sir. Come see me. I will. I don't I'll hold you to it. <laughs> All right, there he goes. Dave Norwood, the Gary. What a cool guy. Uh, that guy's awesome. Incredibly thoughtful. Very, very interesting dude. I appreciate him getting into the spirit of uh, going to everything with all the different songs and stuff. He's very forthcoming in that way. Fair weatherer on the sidelines of my airing.
it all away Guess what I did today Sit beside a blighted river More a taker than a giver Searching for means In a hall of busy screens Getting softer in my station Overfed on information Gary, that's off fallow. That's new. You can get that Accurage Records. TheGary.com. Gary Bandcamp. Uh, what is it? I think it's the Gary that Bandcamp. TheGary.com. Slash music. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I asked him about the uh, all about the artwork. I didn't even talk about the artwork on that one. It's uh, evocative as well. Well, well, well. Thanks so much for listening. This has been another episode of 
Got a new transportonic reversal. Is this thing on? This show airs on Radio Noob. Stream live. Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Radio Noob, say yes to Noob. Archives at protonicreversal.com. Always free, no ads, no sponsors, no kidding. I'd like to thank Dave Norwood for being on the show. I'm surprised it took me that long to have on, frankly, but, uh, you know, that's great. We got, got into a lot of good stuff, so go get that record. Oh, if you like the show, one episodes of it sooner. Patreon.com slash Reversal. One dollar a month will get you there. Mr. and Mrs. America, all ships at sea. This is episode 256 of the seemingly endless and undefeated Protonic Reversal. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to it, uh, sharing the shows around. Like, subscribe, reviews, it all seems totally silly, but... It matters and helps people find the show. So thank you. And thank you for listening to it. I got a bunch of stuff coming up. I'm exhausted. I'm not going to lie. Oh, Aaron Beam uh, from Red Fang Part 2. And then Lindsay Charles from the cell phones after that. Stay tuned. Stay safe out there. Out on Route 128, dark and lonely. Take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. 
really broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. Close of our broadcast day. 